Welcome to the Lakes and the Rivers, the only podcast where we stare at the beautiful women. Wait, that's wrong. <laughs> um, that's what I'm I've been not listening sure to. How to follow that. <laughs> that's what I've been listening to. <laughs> it, it came on today for me too. So, like when you said it, I was like, "Oh, I know exactly what he's talking about." <laughs> and then it was followed up by the thought, "Oh, I have no idea what bit to do after this." <laughs> it's fine. Me and Mr. Jones, you know, we're busting through the barrio. I feel like in 30 years, that song is going to become, like, a relic, and people are going to name it Synthetic Drug after it. And people are going to think, oh, this is a song about the synthetic drug, Mr. Jones. I mean, that's more or less what Mr. Brownstone did, but on purpose. I'm not familiar. Do tell me this story. Oh, you don't know about Guns N' Roses? This is literally their best song. I know one thing about Guns N' Roses, and it's that I don't think I like them. (laughs) That is, you know what, that's fair. Like, everybody on Earth is like, oh, Guns N' Roses was one of the best bands of the 80s, and like, yes? I think a lot of that sort of uh, hard rock kind of genre that was big supposedly big in the 80s i didn't live through it so they could everyone could eh. truthfully everyone could be lying to me about how popular it was but my theory is that they're sort of the best in their genre because that's generally that's like genuinely as good as the genre got at that time (laughs) i mean yeah other bands around at the time were like motley crew which has some good elements, but overall is pretty butt rocky. Mm. Yeah, but butt rock is how I, I would said it. It's like a it's it's butt rock, but for dad. So it's like dad butt rock, but not it's not dad rock. <laughs> dad rock not, is a like, is a totally different thing. But this this is. I would, I, I'm not sure. It's dad butt I, rock. I would classify the Dire Straits as dad rock, to be honest. Yes, Dire Straits is Dad Rock. Uh, Steely Dan is Dad Rock. Um, Doobie Brothers. Dad doesn't mean bad. No. No. Uh, I Both have inherited. Both of us like Dire Straits. Both of us like Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the I Doobie Brothers like is there. Uh, probably I Kansas. Like Rolling Stones every once in a while. Yeah, Rolling Stones has a couple of good ones. You like Kansas? Either the state or the band. I have a soft spot specifically for Carry On Wayward Son, and I think a couple of other other ones are not bad, but I can also understand not liking Kansas. I think there's a couple of prog bands that I would put in the category of dad rock. Like Yes would yes, kind of be Yes, Yes is absolutely a dad rock band. Um, Rush think, is like halfway in between the two. Yeah, Rush is like, if your dad was weird and then became super suddenly socially conservative when when he had you. <laughs> he likes Rush. <laughs> My dad likes Rush, but like... I knew it. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I I don't hate Rush. Like, me saying like that is, is... It's not a dig at Rush. I think Rush is fine. Um, like Rush, I think that Subdivisions is probably one of the best songs I've ever heard. Okay. Period. Um, but like, I haven't fully sat down and ostensibly listened to them. 
Uh, primarily because 2112 starts off with a 20 minute song. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Here's, yeah. Um, I almost said back in the day, and I've only been alive for day. 20 years. But uh, when I was just starting to sort of develop my own taste in music, when I was around, I think 16, probably, maybe 15 even, uh, I used Pandora way more than I do now. I don't think I have it installed anymore, but I had a station that was just for classic progressive rock, so you'd hear, like, Rush would be on there, uh, Led Zeppelin would be on there. Um, you know, I can see it, I guess. There's sort of proto-prog. There's, there's some stuff up there that's, like, very clearly influenced kind of the art rock kind of stuff that came after it. Um, so it'd be, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Rush... Uh, and I heard a couple of Rush songs in that time, mostly the popular ones, of course, because that's sort of how Tom Pandora Sawyer, works. Probably. Yeah, Tom Sawyer. Uh, I think t- something from Twenty One Twelve, but I don't think that I don't think it was the Twenty One Twelve Overture. Um, oh, Electric Light Orchestra is on there, probably. Like Yellow. They, yeah. I like some of these bands that are like. Hey, we're gonna be deceptively progressive as opposed to King Crimson, who is just like everything is prog. Everything. I, I was I felt betrayed the first time I listened to In the Court of the Crimson King, uh, because I really enjoyed Twenty First Century Schizoid Man. That's a really good song. But a lot of the album is very like soft prog. It kind of reminds me of. Uh, we talked about Continental Drift by Ozma a couple of episodes ago. It, it kind of reminded me of that, but like Continental Drift was <laughs> somehow harder <laughs> than King Crimson. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think the technology and the recording, uh, the production levels have gone up so much that we were able to take what is, in essence, a pop punk band. And make them heavier than one of the most well-known progressive rock bands ever made. Yeah, and that's also, we were sort of in that post-grunge era, and we were sort of in that age of how fuzzy can we make our guitars. So it's sort of something that lends itself just uh, by way of you know what? what kind of band fuzzy, Osma is. Fuzzy guitars are good. I don't I care agree. what anybody says. I, I like a good agree fuzzy with guitar. You. Yes. <laughs> um... I think it was X's and O's that was it was it came out a couple years ago on like the alternative charts, but it got like big on the pop scene in like 2015, 2016, the mm-hmm. L King song. Okay. I don't know if I've ever heard I it. I like later, but it's like pop with enough rock that it kinda made me turn my head. Okay. Yeah, I have I have a soft spot for that, that kind of pop. Anyway, I'm Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dave, introducing myself for this podcast. Which what are you is... doing, Mr. Jones? <laughs> well, uh, it's almost spring break, and that's sort of what's been keeping me going. But like a lot of other places, my college is closing down because of the, you know, worldwide pandemic uh, that's happening. Um, I have opinions, but I will refuse. I refuse to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's sort of been getting me down a little bit, um, alongside just school stuff. But I am so close to spring break that I'm sort of on the upswing again. 
I oh, am yeah. going to see my dog and see my brother. And it's going, I'm going to see my brother for longer than one day. <laughs> because before, there's, there's one upshot <laughs> to this worldwide pandemic that's going on. Uh, and that's uh, that my brother and I were initially only going to be able to see each other for like one weekend because of the way that our breaks worked out. But we'll be with each other for quite a bit longer now. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm doing fine now. I'm looking forward to going home, I guess. The uh, pretty Mr. Jones. It's not going to stop. <laughs> this <laughs> is your fault. Well, how are you then? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know how people online are like. Haha, <laughs> because of the pandemic, I have to work at home. I don't, I, I can't do that. Yeah, there's a lot of I kill bugs for a living, I can't do that. Cannot work from home, and it's gonna be super fucky for the next couple of weeks. Well, the worst, the worst part is not even, like, the pandemic itself. Because, like, that we're working on, slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. What is bugging the shit out of me... <laughs> fact that I can't buy goddamn toilet paper. Mm. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> this is a fundamental need. The good thing is that I had already stocked up on a bunch because, like, I have this mindset of something stupid is going to happen. I'm going to stock up as much as possible. Fair enough. You got yours. <laughs> and surprise, something stupid happened. It did. Something stupid happened. Uh, Pivoting just a little bit uh, based on that. There's a bunch of bands that are canceling their tours. Uh, No, I saw that. Nightwish canceled theirs. Yeah, I think most bands that are on tour are canceling at this point. I know uh, Prince Daddy and the Hyena is on tour. Uh, They've, I believe, postponed their shows. Same with the Wonder Years. Uh, two bands that I actually had considered seeing, but not so uh, much here, anymore. Uh, here's the thing. Um, yeah, I was going to see the Wonder Years on Saturday. Mm. Sorry about that. On the plus side, my friend who uh, gave me the idea to go see the Wonder Years on Saturday uh, has also informed me of a, tr- of a show that she wanted to go to because it is the Front Bottoms, which is one of her favorite okay. bands. I've heard of that. But also, Jimmy World is playing with them. Oh, hell yeah. And I'm going to go see Jimmy World. That's a good idea. You should you should talk about it when it happens. <laughs> it's not going to happen until like August, but I guarantee you I will. Fair enough. I do believe most of the bands that are going on tour are working to refund uh, people who did buy tickets and weren't able to go. Oh, that's right. Uh, My Chemical Romance is also postponing, so that's sort of a an indication of what exactly we're dealing with. Um, I thought the Roaring Twenties were going to bring emo back! Well, it's just keeping it away! We'll have to bring it back remotely. <laughs> Just stream the old concert. Yeah, you can you can loop in fifty people on a on a screen share now or something like that. So just just uh, hologram Gerard Way, like like the like they're doing with Miku and Prince, uh, and the oh, problem see, I, solved. I thought you were gonna make a Tupac joke. Oh no! <laughs> Wait, are we hologramming Tupac? 
Oh, there was... Oh, God. So, like, I forget exactly what the context was, but there was this thing where people said that Tupac wasn't dead. Okay, like, yes, that's sort of Because there a... was a hologram of him. Oh, good. <laughs> I the way, my yeah. favorite part of anything is the conspiracy theories that come out of it. Because some of be them so are so stupid. <laughs> Tupac wasn't shot dead. It's all a conspiracy. Tupac uh, lost lost the thread. Tupac. <laughs> That's what I have to say. <laughs> we talked about rap once on the show. That means we know what we're talking about. Yes, I am a rap expert at this point. I am basically familiar with everything there is to know about the genre. Talk about the 90s enough to where we should know about Tupac. Fair enough. <laughs> I should, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should know a lot more about sort of 90s rap than I do, but the truth is that I have zero frame of sort of cultural reference in that regard. See, my thing about 90s music in general is that 90, the 90s were the last time that rock music got taken any sort of seriously. Mm -hmm. Don't at me. You know it's true. <laughs> it, it, a little wiggle room in the 2000s, but otherwise I agree. Like, some of the songs that were big in the 2000s, like the early 2000s, mm -hmm. like your Slipknots, your System of a Downs, your Mudvanes, like, a lot of it was clumped into the new metal genre. Which turned a lot of people away. Yeah, new metal and emo both were sort of garbage. Yeah, new metal and emo both were sort of uh, people. It was. <laughs> I don't want to. Hmm, I suppose I'll say it, it was sort of getting cool to make fun of certain genres. <laughs> yeah, and making fun of emo genres kind of stayed until like 2012, when I think the emo revival started again. Yeah. I, Put it somewhere around there. At least, yeah, somewhere like mid 2010s. Yeah, because like the Wonder Years like just started like gaining traction in 2010 with Suburbia. Mm -hmm. um, they're not part of the emo revival. They're very much pop punk. Right. But like they have, that kind they have of a little emo in them, yeah. Bad boy pop punk. Yeah. <laughs> Sad boy pop punk. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. It's like them, real friends, neck deep, yep. Canoe Clapook, who I hate so much. I think I've heard the story so far uh, grouped in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're pretty sad. A day to remember. They're tricky because they're also very metalcore. Okay. That's fair because I don't actually know any of what these bands have played besides the Wonder Years. <laughs> That's fair. Um, the story so far, in my opinion, has one good song in its placeholder, which is almost an acoustic song. That's an interesting title for what's supposed to be the good the story, the story so far song. Well, the main reason that I even know about it is the same reason that I found out about a lot of the bands I listen to, which is I was watching a Jared Alonji video where he talked about misheard lyrics. <laughs> That's sort of how you develop your taste in music. Well, it... Mm. <laughs> I mean, no, but yes. <laughs> there was, there was a line in, in that song. It's repeated like four times. This is important, where he sings, "It's haunting me, but I feel fine." 
Except he doesn't fucking enunciate. So it sounds like he's saying, and it's sodomy, and I feel fine. Oh, God. I love sunny day real estate. <laughs> <laughs> like, that also happened with the Black Dahlia murder. There's a line in the song, Statutory Ape, which is a great pun, by the way. Right, I think you sent that to me. Um, where he sings, uh, spiraling, I've lost my footing once again. But because it's death metal... It sounds like he's saying, Spider-Man, I've lost my footing once again. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> and it's so clear, too. Like you, did, <laughs> you definitely sent that to me, and I listened to it, and I, all I could think was, yeah, that's what he's saying. What else could he be saying besides, Spider-Man, I've lost my pudding again? Trevor Sternad has... That's a problem with Trevor Sternad in general, because there's also Death Mask Divine, where it sounds like he's saying, I could never let you go, my darling cordon bleu. <laughs> Good shit. <laughs> also, Parkway Drive never fucking enunciates anything. <laughs> On the subject of enunciation, I don't. Un- I've and... always, I've always misheard "In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3 uh, by Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> I. <laughs> Even now, I know the lyrics, and I know what they are, and if you ask me to recite them, I'll tell you, but I cannot stop myself from singing The Alligator, (laughs) The Highway, her favorite. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, again, there's a song by the Acacia Strain where he says, uh, if I repeat, I apologize, and I don't know why, but every time I listen to it, it sounds like he's saying, if I were meat, I apologize. (laughs) If I were me, I would simply apologize. <laughs> I am sorry for being a steak. I'm sorry, woman. <laughs> oh, well, Lord. With our talk of this heard lyrics out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that's been going on besides, you know, Pandemic by Devin Townsend? I think that's the largest music news. Um, trying hey, to... No, it's not! No, it's not. What you got? There's a new Black Dahlia murder song coming out. Hey, a new single? Yes, I believe. Let me check Twitter real quick. Twitter. I fucking screamed about it on Twitter. You'd think I would know. <laughs> it might have been one of the last things I posted. Child of Night. That's what it's called. Gotcha comes out tomorrow, March 13th, and I am excited, and I will listen to it probably as much as I did Verminous, maybe more. Okay. Uh, you will hear my full opinions next Thursday. I look forward to it. Um, that actually reminded me, though. Uh, there is a new album coming out tomorrow, I think, um, by Dogleg. Dogleg is a I am going to say emo band. Uh, where are they from? They are from... I have no clue. Michigan. They're from Michigan. That's where you are. Uh, Dogleg uh, toured with Glass Beach a little bit ago, uh, and that's sort of how I became familiar with them. I follow the Glass Beach band on Twitter, uh, so I got a lot of secondhand exposure to Dogleg, and I... Uh, so there's, there's some uh, cross-promotion that goes on there. Uh, so I heard a small clip of one of Dogleg's 
uh, singles for this upcoming album. Uh, the single was called Kawasaki Backflip, and it's so hard for me to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the album is called Melee, and it's coming out, yeah, tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I am a Smash fan, so I, I heard the album name. I was just about to say, watch out for the next album that won't be as well received called Brawl. <laughs> That's actually really good. Um, I don't believe that it's an outright reference to the Smash game, but I'm also not 100% on that because the first single they released from this album is called Fox. So (laughs) they're playing with me. (laughs) They're playing with me, I think. If the last track isn't called Final Destination, we fucking riot. Oh, that'd be so fucking good. I'm going to add them on Twitter. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. I forgot what I said I would add someone on Twitter about last episode, because I never did it. <laughs> if, oh, God. I think... I'll just, tweet, it. I'll just tweet about their rentals <laughs> and ask for attention. <laughs> Apparently you get it. <laughs> I'm their only fan, dude. I'm the only <laughs> rentals fan. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike some people in in this podcast, I listen to good music. <laughs> None of them ever talk to me except for Sin Lacrosse. They're an I'm exception. chained up in my room by the ankle, and the only way that I can release my chains is if I listen to the rentals once every half a year. <laughs> Make sure that I have ample enough uh, things to talk about with regards to the singles. They've released, I think, six at this point. <laughs> I'm talking about the rentals now. <laughs> I believe it's been five or six singles now, and I'm not sure if they're going for... Uh, <laughs> here's some rentals news, actually. <laughs> Their latest release is a uh, EP called Forgotten Astronaut Extended Play, a Q36 special feature, uh, and it's four different remixes of their song Forgotten Astronaut. Hi. I'm not really sure. I think I don't like this release scheme. This is like what Protest the Hero did, but bad. Here's, yeah, this is sort of a single strategy that I assume has become more popular in later years with the sort of advent of streaming, because I know that when Weezer signed with Crush Music for Pacific Daydream, they also released half the album up front uh, prior to releasing the album. And I prefer the way that Weezer did it, which was every time they'd release a new single, they'd sort of add it on to the the next single's sort of EP. Um, and then when they released the whole album, they'd sort of take down those <laughs> single EPs. The Rendell's Spotify page I have serious aesthetic issues with now because they're all single-track EPs of each single. And I dislike that greatly because... I did miscount. It's not six. I'm going to count now how many there are uh, that have been released since 2019. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think they released the whole album in the single format and did not compile it. Hi. There's not an album that collects all of these. It's a series of songs that presumably was recorded in the same couple of sessions 
released between 2019 and early 2020, and it's not inside of an album. I think <laughs> I think I don't like it. I don't understand. <laughs> well, that's about all that I have, I think. <laughs> uh, so we don't have to talk about the rentals anymore. Oh, God! <laughs> I think I might hate... No, no, that's not true. I was going to say, I think I hate talking about the rentals more than I hate talking about uh, Pitchfork, but let's be honest, I don't. <laughs> I the only time that I will defend the rentals is a regarding their first single Friends of P the one that sort of caught fire in the 90s uh, and then has never been heard from since and b <laughs> uh the awful review of their second album 7 minutes more on Pitchfork <laughs> so it's sort of oh, like that so Lord of the Rings meme that <laughs> never thought I'd die fighting side by side with with the rentals <laughs> and the rentals Matt Sharp shows up and says what about side by side against pitchfork <laughs> and i oh, have no. to say i that i could do and dave i i did a bad what have you done I went on pitchfork first of all that's bad, bad second of all <laughs> i looked up the black dahlia murder just to see if they had any reviews and to see how fucking terrible they were is it uh, there's one review imagine party babies there is only one review for only one album. Okay. And it's their 2005 album, Miasma. Okay. They gave it a seven. <laughs> That's not bad for Pitchfork, though. Considering it's, you know, death metal, and I don't think Pitchfork really likes death metal that much. I think I mean, that might be more highly yeah, rated than the average of all Weezer albums on that website. So I'd say that it's doing pretty well for itself. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm reading. <laughs> you're is, you're going deeper. This is an excerpt from. This is like the only good review that I've seen on this fucking site, by the way. <laughs> but um. There's a little blurb here that I would like to read. From the lyrical tone, which spends plenty of time in the dark and violent, but never has to rely on the Satan-laden macabre. Say again, the black doctor. <laughs> never has to rely on the Satan-laden macabre. God. I am curious as to what their sort of other exposure to death metal is. This is... Did you listen to fucking Morbid Angel? <laughs> they have a song called Worship the God of Pain. There you go. <laughs> oh, I don't fucking want Hitchfork emails. <laughs> Tell get them... Off the site. They can email me, but only if I get to email them back. <laughs> And they have to wait for my response before they can send me another. <laughs> that we should go to banding together. I think we should too. <laughs> um, I oh, think I am, yeah. Uh, I have listened to uh, Quiet Company is a band I've talked about before on this show, uh, usually about their EP, Your Ex-Husband the Ghost, which I have recently 
learned, uh, I got the release time on that one wrong. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, that that came out in 2007. But just to be sure, I'm going to Google it. Your ex-husband, the ghost. No, it is 2017. Okay. I either read something wrong or Genius Lyrics has this release date 10 years prior. <laughs> so I'm not sure what that's about. Uh, but I still cherish that EP. Uh, and I've also been uh, turned on to there. Mm -hmm. Interesting choice of words by me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I've been listening to their most recent EP, which is On Corners and Shapes. Uh, it's, uh, I think it, yeah, 2019, sort of early 2019. They haven't released anything since. I believe they've been on tour, so they haven't much been in the studio. Uh, but I think I talked about this once in sort of passing mention on this show. Uh, and I think my initial impression was I thought it was fine. Uh, they sort of dipped into... Uh, what I had, I believe, called at the time uh, some sort of Imagine Dragons-like kind of beats. I've revised my opinion on that, actually. Uh, I like this a lot. <laughs> I guess it had to grow on me a little bit. Um, and I think the sort of kind of pop synths that they bring in on this uh, on certain places in the CP, I think they work on second thought. And, yeah, I don't know. Um, I will say I am, I have my concerns about Quiet Company sort of being a one-trick band, and I don't like to say that, uh, especially because I, I like the one trick that they do, <laughs> but I'm sort of, their subject matter seems to be a lot about, uh, the same stuff. This is excluding, uh, we are all where we belong, which is, uh, about something entirely separate uh, from sort of what I usually hear, but sort of, I guess I would say the things that I hear uh, in common on a lot of these uh, Quiet Company songs is it tends to be a lot about sort of failed marriages and relationships and breakups, and that's fine. That's a um, pretty well-traversed and sort of well-explored uh, mood of, of songs. Um, yeah, but, you know, I have never been in a relationship. There's only so much of this that I can relate to, I suppose, is how I put it. Um, but besides that, On Corners and Shapes, I like it. I found out that once again, His Hands Matched His Tongue by the Deer Hunter has gone missing from my Spotify library. I don't know what causes this. <laughs> my best guess is that Spotify had... At one point, two different releases of Act 1, The Lake South, The River North, The Deer Hunter's debut album. Uh, and somewhere along the line, I must have accidentally unsaved his hands, matched his tongue from the first time that I listened to and saved Act 1. And then I managed to navigate my way over to a different release of the album, which from which I had not saved any songs yet and saved that version of his hands matches tongue to my library. Then later, Spotify removed the other release of the album, which once again removed his hands matched his tongue from my library. And 
I probably went on like this for like six months, why I think. Spotify, why does Spotify not want you to listen to the best song on Act One? Don't at me. I don't know, and I agree with you 100%. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's wild. A tie, it's a tie for me between that one and 1878. Fair enough. I think it's probably a tie for me between that and the inquiry of Miss Terry. Uh, but I it's, say it right. it's the inquiry of Miss Terry. Listen, <laughs> nobody <laughs> says that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Every time I say the title of the song to somebody, I'm like, yeah, it's the inquiry of Miss Terry. Fine. I retract my statement because you are somebody, someone very important to me. Uh, yeah. This getting gay on me. What? Thanks for getting gay on me. Of course. Always. <laughs> it's sort of my thing. <laughs> uh, besides that, I've been listening to Dogleg, sort of. If that wasn't obvious, uh, I've sort of been hyping them up for the release of Melee. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, every now and then I will tweet in all caps, DOGLEG on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it gives me great joy to do so. So I look forward to dog legging it on Twitter uh, many more leg. times. Dog leg. <laughs> That's uh, what's new in my library. Um, maybe there's like one other thing. Mm, no. Yes, actually. <laughs> uh, this is a funny. <laughs> um, my brother texted me recently uh, and told me. <laughs> Uh, I believe what he told me was, no, I'm going to, I'm going to find it. But essentially what this is, is an album called Craigslist Leader. I don't speak German, uh, so I'm not actually sure if that's correct, but it is a series of, uh, sort of avant-garde kind of classical, uh, here it is, um, <laughs> it's by... And I'm going to try to pronounce this name, and I'm so sorry. Gabriel Kahane. Uh, it's it's a short little uh, album. It's like, I'm not sure if whether or not I should classify these as, as movements, but there's, there's eight of them. Uh, and I will list these amazing song titles uh, to you now. <laughs> you looked sexy. I'm sorry. Half a box of condoms. Neurotic and Lonely, Today I Met, dot, 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 Assless Chaps, If Anyone Knows, dot, 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 an Opera Scene. Uh, and what I assume it is, because I'm not entirely certain what it is, but I assume that it is sort of songs based on Craigslist ads. Here's though. <laughs> and it's kind of amazing. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, and it also does some interesting musical things. So I give it a weird out of 10. <laughs> Recommend it to anybody who's looking for weird classical. <laughs> but th that is what I've, that is everything I've been listening to uh, that's new on my plate this week. Uh, what is it that you have been putting inside of your ear holes? Well, uh, first of all, August and everything after. Okay, good start. Love it. Um, we have talked about this before recently, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, I don't know what it is. I keep coming back to Mr. Jones. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I caught on. 
just picture, you know, Adam Duritz taking his jacket off and realizing it's cold and putting it back on. <laughs> it's an incredibly funny music video. Totally unintentionally, but extremely funny. It's like, go white boy, go. <laughs> um, beyond that, I've still been on my fit for an autopsy fucking shit. All right. Um, I listened to Absolute Hope, Absolute Hell again. I've tried to go back and listen to, like, their very first album, and I just couldn't. Okay. <laughs> it happens. Like, Hellbound, the one immediately after that one was really good. The Great Collapse is kind of where they, like, started changing their sound to kind of fit their own style, so to speak. It's a weird way of saying it, but basically the Great Collapse was where things seemed like they were going naturally. Mm-hmm. They sort of tightened uh, up and, and found their sound. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I still think their best is the Sea of Tragic Beasts, their most recent one. But that's just me. I've also been listening to a, band, a man named uh, Toxic X Eternity. Yeah, he I am actually familiar. Does, I, love, I love his stuff. He's a YouTuber who does uh, video game covers, but he does them in metal. So I've been listening to his album fittingly titled VG Metal Covers Volume 9. Um, there are some really good tracks on here, like Bowser's theme is really good. Uh, he covered the best Undertale song, which is Spider Dance, Don't At Me. I think I've actually heard that specific cover. Because I play it all the fucking time. That'll do it. Last track is the cover of This Is Halloween, and it's delicious and much better than the Marilyn Manson version. From my favorite video game, Kingdom Hearts 2. you even played Kingdom Hearts 2? I have played, I think, roughly half of it. I haven't touched my PlayStation 2 in a long time, though. The big song on here that I was super happy about was he covered a song from a game called Xenoblade Chronicles, which is a great game, and you should play it if you haven't. I have heard nothing but glowing reviews for Xenoblade Chronicles. He covered the most metal song on the soundtrack and made it more metal. Okay. He covered a song called Mechanical Rhythm. Which I'll send it to you later. It's fucking insane. It sounds vaguely familiar. Is it in Smash? No. Uh, you will know our names is in Smash. Gotcha. As is Gara Plains. Yes. Which is fair. Both of those are great songs. Mechanical Rhythm is much better. <laughs> uh, lastly, there is a... Um, I want to say technical death metal band that I found a while back. I don't remember how I found them, but they're called Implode. Okay. Uh, they, have, they have an album they released in 2015 called Eye of Everything. And I listened to it, like, years ago, like, back when I was still working in the kitchen, which was, like, two or three years ago at this point. But uh, the riffs are... Drums don't stop. The vocalist... I can't understand it, but when I can... The lyrics are pretty good. They do this... I don't know what it is, but I have a thing for when a band or artist sings a song and the chorus or some... There's some sort of section where the singer shouts, I am, and then something relatively ridiculous but still cool. I agree. This band does it on their song, Cursed Dead Son. Because the chorus goes, I am the cursed dead son. There you go. Which is cool. 
I have Listen, meta- metaphysical quibbles about it, but otherwise, I agree. It's a cool line. I lost my mouse. Found it again. I'm going to see if I can find the chorus on Genius, but I don't know if they will have it. I think my favorite instance of a singer saying I am and then something ridiculous. Uh, it's got to go to AJJ. There's <laughs> a song called uh, Big Bird, which closes out their album Knife Man. Uh, and uh, aptly, <laughs> Sean closes out the album by singing, So I bought a knife. I am a knife man. And he became he becomes a knife man in that song, I assume. I found the lyrics. <laughs> I knew that this was the lyric, but it's so funny to say, say it out loud. So here we go. I am the cursed dead son. I am the dying of you. Okay. <laughs> That's an interesting sort of Starfire-esque way to put it. But I see what it's you're like going glory for. glory hammer at this point. <laughs> it is like glory hammer. <laughs> Again, not a bad thing. We love glory hammer. We do. We have praised glory hammer many a time. All right. Well, that's uh, all I got. Love it. Good. So Dave, I think it's time for our album of the week. Okay. Well, I'm for uh, this week. Uh, you gave me, and I'm only going to say it once. <laughs> so, uh, kids, close your ears. Uh, keep those fucking ears shut. Uh, <laughs> I was I was given the album Horacle by In Flames. Yes, if you don't know In Flames, I'm sorry, they're great. <laughs> uh, In Flames was one of the progenitors of the melodic death machine from. Uh, I almost said Stockholm, but that's not right. Gothenburg. Gothenburg, Sweden. Gothenburg. Uh, them along with them along with Dark Tranquility and At the Gates, more or less, formed the entire backbone of melodic death metal as it as it stands currently. Impressive. Uh, and for that, I am nothing but thankful for them. I picked In Flames for Dave because they are easily the most melodic out of the three. They are. It's very true. Uh, I was <laughs> so. I think some of the earliest music that I ever heard was the soundtrack to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which was <laughs> composed uh, primarily by the great Ron A. Wasserman. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's sort of this... Uh, I would not call it metal exactly, but it's it, it gets close to it. It's more like sort of hard shred rock. Um, and so as a great lover of that, I was uh, pleasantly surprised here. Yeah, uh, I forgot to mention, this album came out in 1997. I believe it was their second or third one of the two. It's my favorite. That's why I gave it to them. Because, as you recall, March is Metal Month. March is also my month. March is Metal Month. Dave, why don't you take us through the horacle? Sure. (laughs) Yeah, you get to say it. This is going to be. Oh shit! Is, I just realized what the last track is called. Anyway, yeah, continue. It's gonna, you're, gonna, I'm just, you're just gonna have to say it a bunch. I'm sorry. I'm a good Christian boy. I don't swear. You're <laughs> fucking dumb. I definitely fucking do not. <laughs> uh, Talk about Jotun. Sure. It starts with Jotun. Uh, this is a concept album, correct? Indeed. All right. You'll have to guide me through this. Um, right, so the concept of the album is basically taking a look at humanity. 
starts off in the prehistoric kind of age, the beginnings of man, goes to basically where we were in 1997 when the album was released, and a look in the future and how fucked everything is. Okay. Neato. It's a good good album uh, concept, which I enjoy. Um, sure. Uh, I will say, I did not uh, quite get to give this album sort of its uh, due diligence. I gave it a solid two listens. Um, so, no uh, promises on how familiar I am uh, with all of this. Uh, but Joe Tune, I do remember um, fairly well. Uh, I was. So I'm not sure if it's just sort of my ears are adjusting at this point, uh, or if it's just a unique to In Flames. Um, but I found myself uh, more easily than usual able to understand. Uh, the lyrics to these songs. Um, yeah, Andrew's Freedom, the vocalist, is very good about enunciating most of the time. I say most of the time because uh, the Jester Race had some moments. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I enjoy uh, the sort of word pictures that uh, Andrews is able to sort of paint here. Uh, and I like the um, the strong way that this album opens. It's a sort of, um, yeah, it's a strong way for a melodic death metal uh, album to open. I'm going to go ahead and guess that this is sort of a sort of a prologue kind of. Uh, no manner of speaking. Yeah, I sort believe Jotun. Um, I I think it's Norse. It is. Yeah. Could be wrong. Yeah. I believe the Jotuns were like giants that got felled by... I don't know Norse mythology that well. I'm sorry. My Norse mythology is incredibly rusty. I learned like a safe amount when I was a child. Uh, but I don't... I It's been far too long. <laughs> and I was always a little more interested in the Greco-Roman mythology I mean, anyway. Yeah. It, was, it was cooler. It's sort of more accessible, um, I would say thing that I want to talk about with this song is the lyrics behind it sure. and how kind of iconic it is that, not iconic, the way that Anders starts the song off by almost whispering. Okay. His kind of raspy Swedish voice until he just fucking belts out the rest of the verse. Mm -hmm. Like, that is incredible to me. His voice during these first four albums was one of the best selling points of these albums for me. Yeah, because he could have just, uh, he could have just, you know, screamed or growled the whole thing. Uh, I like that, that contrast that he, that he draws with his voice. It's a good touch. I mean, overall, I don't listen to Jotun as much as other tracks on this song, including the next one song on this album is what made me a fan of this album. <laughs> uh, it is track number two, Food for the Gods, uh, which is uh, a song, that, uh, a track name that for me conjures up uh, many a mythological story about people chopping up their kids and giving them to the gods to eat. Yum yum. <laughs> I mean, have, have you looked at the lyrics? It's I, pretty similar. Yeah, I'm looking at them now and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
pretty uh pretty in that vein i am a poet <laughs> yeah um it's uh it's a sort of a faster um song it picks up uh from yoshin uh i am i said yoshin there uh and I'm not sure if that pronunciation is accurate. Yeah. You're getting the Swedish vibes in you. <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming Swedish. I don't, right. I don't think I have any Swedish ancestry. I absolutely love this song, but I laugh every time I listen to the chorus because Anders sang Pass the Body with Yoi. <laughs> and I shouldn't laugh at his accent, but that specific instance is so funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, the song is great. Listen to it all the time. It was what sold me on the album. Yeah, I, I can I can totally see that. And the solo in the middle. Oh god, we haven't even talked about the instrumentation yet. Oh yeah. Oh. Their ability to shred is it's, fantastic. That was sort oh, of what good. I was trying to get to in referencing uh Ron A. Wasserman, also known as the Mighty Raw. I'm not making that up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like the, the shredding on, on this definitely reminded me of that. And I was, uh, very pleased by it. It pleased me greatly. <laughs> mm. Just like eating people's sons and daughters at my dinner table. Tracked the bloodlines, uh, cutting the bloodlines, retract the bloody roots. Yum yum. To a heavenly sip, slip of glass. In a one-word dialogue with the stars. Whoa, don't foreshadow the rest of the album yet. Also, I know this album so well that I could probably recite the, the solos to <laughs> I, it's, it's I love good, this album! It's a good feeling to get to that point with the album. I think I'm probably that way with more Weezer solos than I would care to admit. <laughs> Anyway, the next song is called Gyroscope. It is. It's a sort of a shorty uh, compared compared to Food for the Gods, um, and uh, lyrics wise. Anyway, um, I am not certain what this song is about, but I think gyroscopes are cool. <laughs> <laughs> what are we looking at, Cam? A gyroscope, from what I can tell, is kind of an eldritch look at how creation was formed and how the universe itself is being controlled by this thing that Anders literally made up in his free time called a Neowulf. Okay. Um, look, it, it's a song that was originally on their previous album, The Jester Race. Okay. But that's not important because the song's fucking awesome. I'm getting... slower... It's a slower burn. I love it so much. I sing the chorus to myself. Like every once in a while, I'll just find myself going Neo Wolf, but older again than the lupus itself. Yeah, I'm getting uh, a lot of Norse vibes. I suppose I should have seen it coming with uh, the first track, um, but like sort of giant uh, god wolves is sort of a. Uh, staple a, of Norse it's mythology. Bizarre, it's a bizarre thing to sing about. But like, 
Anders in general had had a thing for the sort of eldritch, the unknown, the philosophy of like why our planet is spinning and all this other shit that I eat up like fucking candy. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you have to be a sort of you have to think you have a to lot be a about nerd. those things. You have yeah, to be a nerd. yeah, <laughs> you have to be a nerd to write <laughs> this album by In Flames. Uh, track track four is an instrumental it is uh the name of it is dialogue with the stars uh, which is a line that was present in food for the gods um which i cleverly noticed with my amazing eyeballs <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i i like their instrumentals i trust them to do them well uh they they absolutely have the chops for it similar to yeah. what we said about glory hammers instrumental tracks they are definitely able to carry it and make it interesting for sure. There's there's definitely other bands that I would not trust to make an instrumental uh, piece quite as interesting. I would argue that it took Weezer until like 2014 to figure out that, <laughs> and even then, like the Wasteland is not great. <laughs> Return to Ithaca. Return to Ithaca is great. Yeah, so, so it's okay. In my opinion, they're one for two. Uh, I like this song just because of like, a sort of breakdown in the middle where the acoustic guitars come out. By the way, one of the like things about melodic death metal is that with these three bands, they often ins- implemented acoustic guitars into their music, mm-hmm. which is relatively unheard of for death metal. Especially <laughs> I can see it. Started at the end of the 80s going into the early 90s. So the idea of taking this very violent, very brutal kind of genre and putting in a pretty acoustic guitar break in it was unheard of, but received very well. Mm-hmm. Like, I will say that I think in the 90s, uh, I'm not, um, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, uh, I think in the 90s we sort of had a, a cultural realization that the acoustic guitar did indeed exist. Uh, that we had sort of lost in the 80s, you know, um, you think about the 80s and there wasn't that much folk music sort of being produced. So the acoustic guitar outside of, I presume, classical music sort of got uh, a little lost. You know, you had your odd uh, band that was still using it, but uh, it, I, I would say that it wasn't sort of until, um, I, I suppose, the death of grunge that we started really sort of playing with acoustic guitars again. Um, yeah, yeah I, 97 in general was a year where acoustic guitars came out a lot because there's mm-hmm. this album, uh, Green Day released Time of Your Life in 97. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't think of any other examples right now, so let's talk about The Hive. Let's talk about The Hive. Hive is I, a... I, don't, I don't know about you, but I love the opening riff to the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's a good way to sort of kick off of dialogue with the stars hold on a second what is happening i just realized that this album is 11 tracks that's 11 okay uh, I must have... 99 was a bonus track okay i definitely got the bonus track <laughs> yeah okay that threw me off for a second um but yeah i think they're definitely able to sort of conjure up this uh, dark vibe with the riff um, 
that they are able to get into with the lyrics. It's this riff, this riff was so good that Atreyu decided to take it. Did they really? I'll, I'll show you later. <laughs> I kind of love that. Like, I understand that um, sort of quote-unquote stealing riffs uh, is obviously not a great thing when a lot of people make their living off of it um but it's also really funny to me when bands do it you just look at it and it's like huh you sure did just hear that <laughs> and take it didn't you <laughs> um but anyway my favorite part of the song is when all the lyrics stop and the ending is just a solo until the end mm-hmm. good shit love this song I do, I do like it when a solo sort of takes a song away. That'll come up again in the next track. Excellent. Because I did enjoy the next track. Uh, it's called Gesture uh, Strip... <laughs> I already messed it up. Gesture Script Transfigured. This uh, is the song is rude. beautiful. No, it is. You're right. Uh, I get happy thinking about this song. <laughs> Just thinking about it. It's got... An interesting name, and I would like to know sort of what relationship the name has to the content of the song. Oh, Inflames' uh, mascot is a jester. Okay. Um, I like it. And I think that they might also be saying that um, human beings are idiots. Because okay. <laughs> their previous album, The Jester Race, the, the title track is about how humanity is running to its own demise. Understandable. We are not that bright. You know what is bright? The sum of suns. And presumably the dystopia electro heart. If you can put up with some pretty made-up words, this the lyrics on this thing are really good. Oh, I am down with made-up words. It's Create-Gion. What the fuck is that? Inundated by the Mars Volta. I am good for Create-Gion. <laughs> I, am, I am here and ready for it. And uh, my... We should talk about the song. Uh, the verses are all, like we said, that pretty acoustic guitar kind of thing. Yeah. And then the verses are suddenly death metal, and the contrast is so apparent, but so well done. Like, if this was done by a less skilled band... This would not work. Agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, I, I think it's really nice how they're able to um, create that and make it flow rather than um, make it sound really sort of choppy and, and uh, disjointed. I think they do a really good job here. Um, it's interesting to me that a song that is ostensibly about uh, sort of the future of humanity it does go back to the acoustic guitar. I think it's an interesting touch uh, as it as it fits within the context of the album. Um, I just I think it's interesting that they chose to go sort of back in a way. I like I like that, and I like that solo that plays at the end that almost feels like it's wanting for something more. Mm-hmm other than that it's just really nice yeah and it's followed up by track number seven uh, which is morphing into primal 
Uh, probably the most metal song on the album in terms of speed. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, it's also the most generic. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I do like the sort of way that the lyrics speak to the, the sense that I'm starting to get now of sort of the concept of this album, um, which is sort of a, a kind of circular, like Wheel of Time-ish look at uh, sort of civilization. Um, yeah, because I'm Also, seeing... the song's about sex. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> There's literally no other way to say it. <laughs> I definitely, I have been having those moments more and more lately. Like, I looked up during a Quiet Company song the other day, and I was like, this is about jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, yeah, a... I'm seeing it now. <laughs> this is my favorite instance of Anders making words up. Because the word penetrate is too good to not share with the world. It's actually really good. <laughs> oh, but like, even though this is just a song about going down and doing the dirty, like, it's crafted in such a way that it mixes, not super perfectly, mind you, but it mixes, like, ideas of constellations and the universe being formed via the Big Bang or whatever else you may believe in like stardust and everything else my favorite line in this song i will is i will cover every particle from there to andromeda and i don't know why it's just cool it sticks in your head yeah also the solo in the song is great very much speaks to a large cosmic fuck i think with that dave did you know that Worlds Within the Margin is my favorite In Flames song? I actually did not. I didn't know what your favorite In Flames song was. Although I didn't I, know you were a big fan. I am In Flames. B, I adore Worlds Within the Margin. It's a good name, to be sure. I love... This is the most brutal Anders gets in terms of vocals. Mm -hmm. Like, he is going... Full death metal here, and I am for it. What's interesting is that almost in spite of that, the lyrics are actually like really poetic. They're really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> With one exception. <laughs> Fair enough. And it creates this sort of uh, lyrical kind of dissonance, yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting touch for what's what's definitely a memorable song. I love the violins that they add in the verses mm -hmm. like right after that whole weird speech thing that anders gives in the beginning like right as soon as he says buds a bloom in all directions the violins come in and they don't stop for the rest of the verse and i'm like i am here for this yeah i do i do like mixing in some uh some strings in my music I'm big on that uh I just like adding instruments that maybe aren't within sort of the genre as it's typically conceived. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice touch. Yeah. So I, I appreciate it. Listen to Worlds Within the Margin. It is so good. Yeah, I would say it's a pretty good sort of entry point uh, for someone who's sort of looking for 
uh, a taste of at least this album. I'm not familiar, of course, with the rest of Inflames' work. Um, yeah. Episode... Hey, we talked about uh, 666 again last week. Let's <laughs> we talk about it again! Yeah, this is episode 666. Uh, we cannot it's get away course. from it. It, it is. It's, in, it's right there. <laughs> um, yeah. And it... <laughs> We're going to talk about the squirrel wheel. <laughs> uh, that believe it or not I like that a lot because <laughs> hamster wheel wouldn't have fit with the tone of the song fair B, enough the TV is fucking destroying us <laughs> it's kind of like Vicarious by Tool except mm-hmm. it came out nine years before Vicarious by Tool Truly, Tool owes everything to In Flames. <laughs> I'm actually... <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure that squirrels are going to take over my college campus after we all evacuate. Uh, I kept seeing squirrels this morning, uh, this afternoon when I was walking around campus, and every time I'd see a squirrel, I'd go, Squirrel College! Because I'm pretty sure they're going to they're gonna start making their own squirrel college here. Uh... I'm, fun fact. They don't understand unrelated English. To Squirrel College. Unrelated to Squirrel College. This was the first song off this album that I heard. Okay. I was on YouTube listening to uh, one of their songs off their 2006 album, Come Clarity. And this song was in the recommended. And I was like, sure, I'll listen to their older stuff. And it's such a fucking contrast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good feeling, though, to be like, I'll listen to their older stuff. And then you find out that it's actually really good. Oh, what else is really good? Depeche Mode. I agree, but why? I think it's because everything counts in all amounts. Is it a cover? Oh my god. It's a cover! Wait, what album is it from and have I heard it before? I don't know and is I it, don't know. Is it from Violator? Depeche Mode. I see the music video. I see... The things? Uh, no, it's from Construction Time again, which I have not heard. Uh, for a second, I was like, wait, if I've heard this, it should be a lot more familiar than it is. Because uh, I, I have listened to Violator once or twice. That's the album that um, Enjoy the Silence is on. That's uh, a good song. I agree. Uh, Depeche Mode is good. I did not realize this is a cover at all. Yeah, it's a really good cover, too. It's really well done. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's really interesting when a band puts in a, a cover on their concert album. I think we talked about that with uh, Aaron West and the Warring Twenties on Going to Georgia, um, which is a Mountain Goats cover. Uh, yeah, it's actually really impressive that I didn't <laughs> that I didn't think, hey, this sounds kind of like a Depeche Mode song. <laughs> Fair. When there's so much shredding, it's hard to tell that it's Depeche Mode. That's true. That's true. Depeche Mode. Uh, among other things, they're not known for shredding. They're not super known for their guitars. Um, yeah, I, I do like a I do like a cover that sort of takes um, takes a new yeah a new spin on the song. Um, like to me, this fit right in uh, on on the album. So yeah, I I adore this song, and I think this is my actual favorite cover of any song okay like, ever 
Um, I love the way that they replace the, I don't even know what kind of instrument it is in the beginning, but they replace it with a guitar solo and it works really well. Um, yeah, like everything about the song just fits. It fits in the context of the, um, context of the concept album. It fits with their sound, which is important. Mm -hmm. And most of all, Anders can sing in it and not sound like a fucking tool. <laughs> yeah. I'm just still so like taken aback. I would not have pegged these guys as Depeche Mode listeners. I mean Alright. One you wouldn't really uh I wouldn't really peg the contortionist as Deer Hunter fans, but they listen to migrants. Fair enough. Did they cover anything off Migrant? Bummer. Everybody Those should. don't really do covers. I would like to see the whole album of Deer Hunter covers. Just one of those. I'd love to hear a gent version of The Kiss of Life. Yes, please. Oh, yeah, please. Someone do it. Just a record label, just get all your bands together and be like, all right, you're going to cover Migrant. <laughs> I'd be there for it. Track number 11. <laughs> which <horrible>. said, <laughs> There you go. Uh, takes the name of the album. Uh, it's also an instrumental, um, which I suppose I didn't realize because it was between uh, Everything Counts and uh, the bonus track, which did have lyrics, as I recall. Uh, so I did not realize this was an instrumental. Um, sort of sits in nice between those two <laughs> in that way. Um, but ending on an instrumental, what do we think? I feel like it depends on the album and the band as a total. I like this song by itself. I don't like it as an ending track. Okay. I will say in their defense, I think they sort of covered their concept. <laughs> you know, I think they sort of got it in there between the 10 tracks uh, prior to it. Um, but yeah, like this, this could have been somewhere more middle-y like maybe nine or ten uh yeah that's that's fair um but like we did say about uh gyroscope no not gyroscope someone is slamming doors like crazy <laughs> dialogue with the stars yeah uh yeah I, I do trust them to do an instrumental so even if it was sort of strangely placed within the album uh, i think that it's you know it's good as far as as far as in flames goes, you know, they do a good job with oh, it. That in flames, man. Uh, two things about this album before we uh, before I ask you your, your full thoughts. Sure. Um, first of all, uh, this album artwork is really pretty. Oh, it is. In a dark way, but it's really pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's a it's a very interesting. There's a. Um, what I assume to be a church scene or uh, generally a very fancy kind of estate-like building, uh, these large glass windows, um, and one of them is open, and in walking uh, is what I'm going to call a thrall, uh, because that <laughs> is the fantasy creature that I feel most resembles what I'm looking at, sort of a thrall woman in a black gown, and there are tentacles, uh, coming out of her. <laughs> uh, so also, I, 
I assume that she is the bear. Child of the bear. Oh yes, I can see the child of the bear now. Yeah. And, uh, part of the wall is removed, and it looks like there's flesh underneath. I'm gonna find a higher res image of this <laughs> because I cannot see it very well. It's very, it's very smushed on Genius. Uh, this one has a weird watermark. I don't understand. <laughs> this is 220 by 220. It's... I don't have high res images <laughs> of the 1997 In Flames album. But I, I do see the child with the bear now. Uh, and perhaps an, an older man in the background on the other side. He's just chilling. There's like an apocalypse going on as well. No big deal. It's like, I'm going to reap my carrots immediately. I don't have time second, for this. The second thing that I want to mention, um, I obviously I was not old enough to purchase this because I was born in 1996. But, um, Understandable. The band kept delaying a lot of their recording sessions, and it took them forever to get the album out because they kept playing Tekken Three instead of recording. <laughs> you know what? I completely understand that. <laughs> I have spent much more time than I would care to admit playing Smash. <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> yeah. You remember when we said that In Flames were nerds? I have forgotten it already. <laughs> so what oh, do you think? Yes, I do um, remember saying that now. <laughs> do you think of Oracle by In Flames, Dave? Yeah. Uh, I think their guitars are really good. You know, um, like I said, this sort of tap into sort of nostalgic kind of musical memories that I have. Uh, and I think In Flames, uh, extremely good band. Um, I liked the album, uh, and on the whole, I give it a, uh, wheel out of ten. No, I give it a giant godwolf out of ten. Yeah, baby. Love me some giant godwolves. But what was your favorite track, Dave? My favorite track? I think it was Jester Script Transfigured. That is so hard to say. Heard, you have no idea. I've heard, I've heard a lot of people say that Jester Script Transfigured is their favorite off this album. How do you do I don't it so effortlessly? For a living. <laughs> That's fair. So, Dave. Yes. What did I? I I just want to talk. Okay. Uh, I gave you. Uh, Godspeed you Black Emperor's album, Lift Your Skinny Fists Like Antennas to Heaven, uh, which is an album from 2000. Uh, it's they're probably the... I don't want to say it's their most well-known, because I think the Dead Flag Blues is fairly well-known just because it's been memed a couple of times. Uh, but I think that generally when I was uh, introduced to Godspeed you Black Emperor, when I was sort of looking for entry points... Uh, people would say, lift your skinny fist like antennas to heaven. And also, I like the album art. It's currently my desktop background. Uh, and it's really I, like Looney Tunes, and I appreciate that. Looney Tunes? I would say, like, early Dr. Seuss. Like, if you've, ever, yeah, if you've ever read the original book of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, I'm very much reminded of that sort of art style. Uh, and I love it whenever people see my desktop background and give me a weird look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor is a post-rock band, uh, which is sort of a, a 
niche-ish genre, I would say. Um, niche. Among post-rock uh, artists, I would say Godspeed You is uh, one of the more well-known. Well up there with probably Mogwai. Um, Division. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's uh, Godspeed You is sort of uh, representing that strain that's very long and <laughs> instrumental, very ambient. <laughs> so, there's a few things I have to say about this. Sure. Um, when we get done recording this, we like to talk after we're done, just to, you know, we're friends, believe it or not. Yeah, surprisingly, <laughs> we have a strong relationship. Amazingly. But um, last week, after we got done, I told Dave, hey, you're going to have Horacle by Inflames. And he was like, all right, sweet. I'm going to give you this album. And because I knew that some shit was going to happen pretty soon, I was like, oh, I'm going to, like, find it on Google Play, like, play a little bit of it so that it's in my recents so I can just go back to it because I'm not going to remember the title, I'm sure. Understandable. So I looked and I was like, oh, hey, it only has four songs. I can probably <laughs> bust through this in, like, a, an afternoon. No! <laughs> no! shortest song is 19 minutes long i have to ask did you end up listening to this like during your work uh drives of course I did. <laughs> and would i have the time otherwise <laughs> yeah this is really an album that you sort of have to put aside time to listen to uh i generally i'll confess up front the only song that i usually the only two songs on this album that i usually like will just listen to as part of my, you know, casual music listening, uh, are Storm and like Antennas to Heaven, <laughs> because I find them melodically uh, interesting enough to sort of casually do something. Uh, but like, I have to actively think that I want to listen to <laughs> Your Skinny Fist, like Antenna to Heaven uh, by Godspeed You Black Emperor. That's not a dig, that's just sort of how it is. <laughs> being said whenever i hear this band's name there are two things that i think first mm -hmm. of all i have it in my head that they're a black metal band they're not <laughs> they are not uh, secondly because of the way that their name is typed i always say it in my head is godspeed you black <laughs> yeah godspeed you is sort of a phrase that has fallen out of favor uh but i i like a band with an exclamation point in their name that's to soldier boy um, <laughs> getting into the album as a whole, it starts with Storm, and you were right when you said I shouldn't listen to this early in the morning. I didn't do that, but like, I put it on this afternoon again, and I was like, oh man, this is, this is really slow in the beginning, isn't it? It kind of is. I have definitely almost fallen asleep with this album a couple times. I will say that the musicianship is genuinely pretty good mm -hmm. um big fan of black crown initiate those of you who may talk to me outside of this know that i'm a big fan of black crown um a lot of the stuff off of their most recent album uh cells we cannot forgive seems very godspeed um inspired i'll say yeah i can see the similarities least, for sure uh, i have to say the lyrical and uh, vocal performances on this album, top-notch. Really knocked it out. <laughs> There's, I believe, one song part, and it's a sample. <laughs> it's not even their song. <laughs> right. 
Um, Storm overall, like, didn't grab me very okay. much. I feel like if they had started with Static, I probably would have been more involved. That's actually really interesting, uh, because Storm is, for me, one of the more memorable ones. I think it's probably just because uh, I like the trumpet part. Um, that is fair. And I, it's I like sort Static of... because, like, first of all, you should have given me this for the Halloween month that we did. <laughs> yeah, it's true that Static is rather spooky. Go asleep. <laughs> like, I thought I heard a Thurman, but it was just the way they were playing the guitar, and I was like, oh god, that's horrifying. <laughs> for sure, yeah. <laughs> they have, they have um, a way of setting a mood. I appreciate that mood setting. However, that doesn't mean that I'm going to willfully listen to it all the time. <laughs> understandable. Absolutely understandable. A static is really good, in my opinion. This is going to be a lot less detailed than we were for Oracle. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was sort of how it was on, on a No Drum and Bass in the Jazz Room by Elm. So. I'm a lyrics guy, so when there's not a lot for me to dissect in that sense, I... I don't zone out when I listen to instrumental music, but I have to listen to it a couple more times. It is to, like it is harder to talk about instrumental music, I would say. That's why I have the utmost respect for people who only talk about classical music, because I couldn't do it. For real. <laughs> My brother is a uh, pianist. <laughs> um, so a fair amount, not all, he has a, he has a soft spot for uh, a lot of other genres of music as well, but like... Um, he will send me sort of uh, marching band tunes uh, and also assorted classical music. Um, and I really have to focus to sort of <laughs> wrap my mind around what's going on in it. We'll say um, this is good music to work to because a lot of times, like, because there are no lyrics, mm -hmm. you can just kind of zone out to the melodies and you can just focus on the work that you're doing. And I did that. Uh, all the services that I have to do are supposed to take about 20 minutes, so I'm just like, oh, the song ended. I can stop. Yeah. <laughs> I actually um, was introduced to this album when I was in uh, was it when I was a senior in high school. Uh, I was taking AP oh, US history. <laughs> actually, uh, last month. <laughs> <laughs> um, and AP US history was a class I did not like, mostly because of all the menial work involved uh but i found that i was able to um get a lot of interesting music listening done uh so that was sort of the time at which i was introduced to uh sufjan stevens uh this band um a couple of others the proto men uh i listened to around this time um uh, yeah so i found that i would agree with you Godspeed you, Black Emperor. Some very good working music. Um, Godspeed you, Black Emperor. Yeah, generally the most that you'll find in Godspeed you that could be considered lyrics are like their samples. So in this one, there's a, a female preacher whose voice has been slowed down a little bit um, to give it sort of a, a deeper timbre. Um, it's a very spooky kind of sermon uh, really excerpt. It was, it was nice. Yeah. Uh, also, the line earlier, I was looking at some of 
some of their other uh, song titles. Sure. Um, my favorite is uh, Fucker Equals Redeemer. <laughs> they have some very good song titles, some very good album titles. I believe their first one is uh, F Sharp, A Sharp, uh, I forget the rest of it. <laughs> F Sharp, A Sharp, Infinity. Yeah, that's the one. There's also uh, Yonkwe UXO, uh, Slow Someone Riot. Has motherfucker equals Redeemer. <laughs> yeah. George anyway, Bush cut uh, up while talking. Featuring George W. Bush. Such your skinny fists. Overall, I did enjoy this album, but it's also an album where I feel like I would have to set aside the time to listen to it mm-hmm. or just something to put out while like I'm writing or something like that. Yeah, that's how I feel about it too. Um, I definitely, res- yeah, I definitely respect it as as part of the post rock kind of cultural canon, uh, and I do like genuinely enjoy listening to it. But I have to be in a certain frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my favorite was probably either Static or Sleep. I'm gonna go with Static. Okay, because I think I remember that one more. I think yeah, probably for me it'd be like antennas to heaven if not storm um because i really like that uh guitar um there's like a uh guitar i don't want to say solo because it's like there's it's it's not really a solo because there's no sort of set uh you know chord progression or backgrounds to solo off of um but there's a really nice guitar part early on in like antennas to heaven uh, and then it ends and i'm like well now i'm in for 13 more minutes of this <laughs> i hope everyone <laughs> likes this <laughs> but yeah. yeah that's that's about all i got for lift your skinny fists all right uh that'll almost do it for our episode uh we will plug our twitters you can find me uh on twitter at at space underscore ace underscore rat uh, I post many things. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping to have an update for my comic sometime when spring break starts. Uh, so look for that if you like the things I draw. <laughs> Where can the people find you? Find me at uh, under uh, lowercase x diamond cut in all capitals uh, <laughs> lowercase x. Uh, as it turns out. Uh, I am actually the lead singer for the Acacia Strain, Vincent Bennett. Uh, So you can find uh, some pretty amusing anecdotes here. Uh, I I play World of Warcraft, according to my Twitter bio. (laughs) We love a good nerdy band. Okay. That's uh, that's about all I got. Great. Uh, Which means we are done for the night. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good night and remember, Neo Wolf, but older again. <laughs> <laughs>